Welcome to On Another Note with Doug and Judy. You know, um, we were talking about something the other day that, that we thought we'd share with you, but this is something that Doug has reminded me of for the last 40 years of our marriage and before that probably, is that it's Can't some... imagine that there would be anything that I would repeat over and over again oh, Lord. for 40 years. Yes, many, many, many times. But any time the subject of creativity comes up, he has no problem reminding me that it, during some test or something that he took, that he scored in the top two percentile of people on this creativity test. I did. It was in under, my undergraduate days. There you go. Yes. I think we were sophomores, maybe. I don't remember taking this test. took an educational psych class. Uh-huh. And, um, and we agreed to take this creativity test. And they asked a series of questions. I guess what they did is they compared everyone's answers and kind of, they kind of fell into groups, and the majority of my answers were very unique, or um, like maybe I was the only person that gave that answer. Are we surprised? It, it could be that I didn't understand the question. <laughs> maybe I didn't understand the questions, and that's why my answers are so different from everyone else. Could have been. Could have been the background that you came from. It could be. Yeah, probably not. It was probably me just trying to be a smart aleck. And I would just doubt that trying all. to make things, you know, funny in the answers. Probably. So, uh, anyway. Yeah, like like going through, uh, you know, a drive-thru and someone asking you what your name is and you always say? Vlad- I always say? Vladimir. Vladimir. Well, I use, yeah, I like to use Vladimir. I've mm-hmm. used Johan. I've used several. Uh, Joaquino, that, that one's always throws yeah. them off. Johan was the best though because we did go one one restaurant one time where they actually spelled the the name when you gave it to him and the the kid behind the counter spelled it Y O H A N. We had more fun. Yes, they with wrote that. it down wrote on it the down. ticket or whatever. Johan, yeah, there you go. Very phonetic. But um, on another note, going back to the whole creativity thing, you know, we you and I have been talking about this a lot lately. Yes. Um. And we've mentioned it on a couple of other episodes, but we have just during COVID nineteen, people are staying home and they're coming up with creative ways to pass the time or to engage their their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned a few minutes ago something about parents building these obstacle courses for yeah. their for their kids to run and then putting shooting videos of them doing it, and those are always fun. Right. So just taking things that we normally use but as you said earlier kind of repurposing them to do something else yeah so kind of divergent thinking rather than trying to come up with the one answer just look at all possibilities and look at something uh, from multiple angles um, so that you're getting more than one answer and and that's sometimes harder for us to do i think um because we we're trying to come up with the right answer. It is funny that you should say that because you know you and I talk shop a lot, and one of the things that I've noticed over the years is that it seems that just anecdotally, I've not done any big time research. This is, you're talking about your this, students in but your just classroom, talking right? about students in my classroom. When I say my kids, sorry, they're my kids. Um, but when I talk about my kids, I notice that in in comparison to the students that I had earlier in my career that um, they were able to think a little more outside the box. Um, um, and when I say that, it could be like, I used to, I, I, I'd get poems for kids and they'd have to interpret the poems through movement or dance or 
however they wanted to do that. And let's say we have something like a chair, for instance, in the poem. So um, what they would do is they would look around the room to see what kinds of things were in the room that they could create a chair with. Or sometimes they even use their bodies to create the chair okay. kind of thing. Nowadays what happens is the child will actually go for a literal chair. Um, and you cannot convince them that there is another way to maybe make a chair in another without using a chair. So thinking very concretely. Exactly. Because, and this is what I believe wholeheartedly, is they are afraid to make the mistake. Yeah. And I can see that. And um, I know even dealing with older students, college students, they're really worried about their answer not being exactly what you're looking Just tell me what you're looking for. I get that a lot. You know, what, what exactly is you're looking for? Well, I'm looking for your idea. Yes. Right? I'm looking for your take on this. I'm not looking. You don't have to write down something necessarily that I agree with. I may, you may actually show me something I haven't thought of before. Um, you know, unless it obviously if it's a multiple choice test and it's a math problem. Right. Chances that, are we're looking for one right. answer. But if it's something more, uh, I don't know, reflective or um, an essay question, say, this, you know, go that way, um, then I'm not necessarily looking for the one answer. Exactly. And, you know? and when a person comes from or when a classroom full of people or kids or whatever come from a, a number of different um uh, backgrounds or, you know, their household or whatever, you know, their culture, you know, we should see a multitude of different answers for things. You would think. You would think. And yet what I'm seeing is, is that exactly like you said, tell me what the answer is so that we've gotten to the points where we teach to that. That's where we come with this teaching to the test um, thing where, you know, it's like, we want to make sure that the kids get all the right answers and they're successful and they get through all their grade levels at grade level and and you know everybody knows the same thing and we're all equal and all of those things and in that process we've lost individual creativity well, and thought and it's interesting you mentioned that because i think that it not only happens it may be happening earlier uh, i think it was like 1968 nasa developed this test to try to identify creative thinkers and they would hand them a paper clip and they would say, write down all the different ways you can use this paper clip, all the different things you could use it for, and or say all the different things. And they, they gave this test um, then later on to five-year-olds. Mm. And five-year-olds <laughs> were testing at the gene, what they considered the genius level, like a high percentage, over 90%. My five-year-olds were geniuses. Not at all surprised. They can make anything okay. out of anything. Yeah. So then, and then they turned around and gave the same test. I think there were 16-year-olds. And that number of, of people that or uh, subjects that scored in that high percentage um, or high, you know, genius level right. was much lower. Right. So what happened between a five-year-old and a 16-year-old? They went to school. Yeah, exactly. And somewhere along the line, oh, surprise, someone said, nope, that's wrong. That's all it takes, that's really, all if you think takes. about it. It's all it takes. And one of the things that I've been um, in my classroom, you know, other, other uh, colleagues have been doing the same thing, is that in music, what 
we've been teaching them is there is no right or wrong. When you're creating something, if you're creating a song or you're creating uh, whatever it is, a rhythm pattern, um, there may be ways that you can enhance it. There may be ways to make it sound more finished. There may be ways that, you know, but there is no right or wrong. If you like a particular pattern and you want to repeat that or whatever it is, it is what it is. What you're saying is, for kids, we need to make the creative process comfortable. Yeah, exactly. However, what happens, seems to happen at least, is that as the child grows older, even in the best of environments, even when they have a safe environment, they tend to lose that feeling of comfort kind of thing. And then life happens. Sometimes I think it takes us becoming really uncomfortable for us to take the next step and um, do something different outside of the box, something that is more creative. And I think we're seeing this during this time of isolation. People are delving deep inside themselves to create things. Like the, the Disney princesses out of hot dogs. Exactly, which we talked about. But we I did. saw something cool today. Like um, I have a former student teacher and she knits. She sews and she knits. And um, she uh, knows that uh, there are people using masks um, and it's hurting their ears. And so what she's right. done is created something they can put on the back of their heads that has a button on it. And they can attach it to the button rather than the backs of their I ears. I like that a lot better than what I'm using for my bandana mask. Yes, although it is very trendy. On another note. So how do we keep this creativity going in our students in in a culture that says, Every student has to succeed, and they have to succeed this way. It can be kind of, uh, this sounds going to sound really simplistic, but just even taking the, the mindset, let's say you're teaching an elementary classroom, and you ask a question out to everyone in your classroom. And Johnny, in the front row, raises his hand, and he wants to please his teacher and give the right answer. And let's say Johnny's answer isn't exactly what you're looking for. The way you react to Johnny's answer could change a lot. Oh, yeah. So maybe Johnny doesn't give exactly what you're looking for. You could say, you know, that is a really interesting answer. But then but then what you do is you're going to say, what made you think of that answer? Why do you think it should there be that go. way? And then it makes it personal. This is why I was thinking this way. And I think we leave out the why too much in how we teach today. You know, it's like, like you said, it's either right or wrong. It's this answer or this answer, that kind of thing. But if a, a child answers something differently, and this is one thing I work with student teachers on sometimes, mm -hmm. is because they're really quick because they're looking for the specific answer. Mm -hmm. When the kid says whatever it is, and they go, oh, no, that's not it. Let's try someone else. Immediately shuts that kid down. So, oh, I, must, I better not answer unless I know it's right. Right. Yes. So it shoots the creativity all to pieces when they do that. So say you're, you're creating something, an, art, an, art, an artwork, you're drawing something, or you're, say you're, you're trying to write a melody. We're really quick to evaluate our work. We don't even have it finished yet. Mm -hmm. Correct? Yeah. We're writing a story. Mm -hmm. The dog barked at midnight. Take the paper, throw, crumple up and throw it away. Mm -hmm. The dog barked. You know, we need to see an idea develop some and change we need and to, evolve. Yeah. 
you can always go back and fix. Creativity is a process. Think about Leonardo da Vinci painted over top of other paintings mm-hmm. they've discovered. Oh, so yeah. it, they weren't first drafts. No. Right? It doesn't have to be fantastic. So you kind of have to put the judge to sleep. You do. That part of your thinking, that part of your brain. Um, and sometimes just create, just to create, not not to have something and go, oh, this is a great piece that I've created. You created it. It yes. doesn't matter how great it is. It engaged your brain in a different way. Um, and that's all good stuff. And you can't buy... You can't go by other people's judgments, too, because, once again, they're coming from different perspectives. And there are going to be some people who love what you do and some people who hate what you do. But they don't matter because it's your creation. It's another thing I tell my kids when they're working to create something. It's like we'll have a a critique where, where kids will have the opportunity to say, I really like that, but what if you tried this and maybe have some other ideas for them? And they have to explain why and that kind of thing. But the kids who actually do the creation have the option of either taking some of those critiques and going, hmm, okay, maybe I could do this or whatever, or saying, nope, I like this the way it is. This is me. This is what I wanted to create. And they are allowed to keep that. And, and you know, when I see kids in, um, you know, in writing class and things like that, um, the editing process, you know, you're not going to write a novel sitting down for the first time without, and, and you just don't. No. You you tweak and you edit and you rearrange and you do all of these things you need to do. And I can remember doing that in school. Yeah, I can I too. could do that in an email now. Yes. A, a three-line email. But on another note, I thought it might be a good thing to talk about uh, some ways that parents can cultivate creativity uh, in their kids. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, people that know me well are going to be shocked, but I actually read an article. No way. I read an article about creativity. <laughs> I have a whole magazine about creativity, and this article is by Sarah Begley, and she just makes, uh, I think, four or five points, kind of giving parents a little bit of guidance. Um, and the first thing she talks about is reading and the fact that reading imaginative stories, mm-hmm. because imagination is kind of like a muscle. You have to... Kind of exercise it, I think. Oh, know? yeah. yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so reading things are very imaginative. Uh, she points out uh, Wrinkle in Time. Oh, one of my favorites. So yeah. fantasy kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and making and making reading something you do together and regularly. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, I think it's really important because um, reading for pleasure is being taken out of a lot of schools right now. And mm-hmm. so I think it's really important that parents cultivate that at home mm-hmm. and just find books that kids like to read. It doesn't have to be, you know, super intellectual, but just something that gets them excited about reading. Well, and I think that's it. A lot of times we we pigeonhole reading to a skill. Yes. Rather than what can actually come from the reading. Excellent. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. uh, she mentions freedom. So giving them the freedom to uh, pursue their own interests. Yeah. Uh, to where, the, you know, if you think about anything, the more you're invested in it, that it means something to you, the more you're going to do with it. Right. And and that freedom allows some experimentation. You know, they can try this and try that. And, you know, how are you going to know what you like unless you have that freedom to try it? Sure. Yeah. Talks about group uh, creativity. So rather than 
the child thinking that they have to have all the answers, but maybe an art project where it's a group of them. And we've seen some of this actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, lately, they've been uh, kids in the area have been doing these chalk works on sidewalk oh, together. Oh yeah, and it's beautiful stuff. And then, or they're painting rocks or things like that with with little sayings and things on them. But you know, when I think about group stuff, I don't think about just things like art. Um, I think about like, um, you know, recess and I think about, um, you know, creative play. Yes, creative play, because so many times we try to put them in organized sports and the kids don't have that opportunity to work out collaboratively and and, and just figure out the rules and and that kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, She actually makes a point to talk about something not to do. And um, and that is really emphasizing outcome. Mm. rather than process so really you want obviously we all want our kids to do well in school oh sure right we we went through sometimes we were frustrated when our kids didn't do as well as we we wanted them to do or hope that they would do for them well yeah but our kids just didn't want to play the game that's want to play the game yeah that's right They're, they're all three creative but they didn't want to play the game and so well that says something about our school structure then doesn't it does. It does. We could go. That could be a really a long talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, re- more about process is gonna is gonna get you the creativity things. Follow, follow me. Yeah, so, creativity is messy. Like I, we were saying earlier, it's a process. Mm-hmm. You have to go through it to understand how to mm-hmm. use it. And then the final thing that she discusses is uh, stoking curiosity. So being willing to ask questions and mm-hmm. let them ask questions and directing that. Uh, line of thought mm-hmm. um, I think is important you have to kind of model it you do really and you kind of have to set them up for that um, I have a, a former student teacher who's now a mom and she was sharing this um, really great thing that that she's doing it makes me look like a poor mom but um, at night after her toddler goes to bed she sets up stations so that when this child gets up in the morning wow. that there are things for this child to experiment with and she allows him to do whatever he wants to do with whatever the stations are and he gets to go from place to place in whatever order he wants to go in and create and what a great thing to do i guess that might be kind of montessori like i've never um, actually studied that enough to know but um wow that really sets this kid up to be able to go oh i'm excited i get to walk into the room and what do i get to do today and that's the way schools should be i agree Yeah, absolutely. What do I get to do today? Well, we hope you enjoyed our ramblings today on creativity. This is Judy. And this is Doug. And this was On Another Note with Doug and Judy. Thanks for spending time with us on On Another Note with Doug and Judy. I want to mention that Sarah Begley's article titled How Parents Can Excite and Inspire, comes from a special time edition, The Science of Creativity. If you'd like to share feedback, comments, or send us questions, email us at onanothernotewithdougandjudy at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. We're really excited about our next episode, where we will continue our discussion of Creativity with Nolan and Barb Schmidt. Please join us for episode seven.